I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Are we like-minded? That doesn't mean we will perfectly think alike. But are we like-minded? And by we, I mean all of us as a family here. Because I've been thinking now about even before I saw this video, that we really need to take a Sunday to talk about the things I don't talk about. I would talk about, like, membership, because uh, I'm supposed to do that, <laughs> and, and missions, and, and our mission, yours and mine, here at His Place. And so today is that Sunday, and I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Um, and I don't talk that much about church membership, because I would much rather discuss as I often do, just who we are in our, our mission in life, you know? And are we like-minded? But we do have this online membership handbook. It's pretty cool. It's available at hisplacemembership.com. So there's the one and only plug it's getting. Hisplacemembership.com. We do have an online manual that clarifies who we are and our shared mission in order to help you to see if we are like-minded. And we put a ton of work into this baby, so allow me to paraphrase from it this morning, because I love this opening, uh, uh, what do I call it, excerpt that I've taken. This basically begins by saying, ever try forcing a puzzle piece into a place it wasn't intended? Yes. Like it's so close, and you just, I'm gonna make it work. <laughs> Even if you succeed, you failed because it only results in distorting the design. And then it says, this handbook is not intended to talk you into joining. Mm -mm. It's about interlocking with like-minded believers to grow and to work together toward a common goal. Therefore, it concludes at the beginning of the handbook, the fundamental question isn't, how do I join? But are we a fit? And so today, to answer that, we need to examine what I'm calling the mission ambition of our family members. Because when I say member, I think family member. That's why I like calling you big family. Our family, the, the shared mission, thank you, Noah, that our family members share. Because our God-given mission includes much more than inner transformation, which you hear me talk about a lot, the bump, 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 as we are God's workmanship. But it's more than that. It, it's also, as, as a family, it's, it's part training mission and part rescue mission. And we call this uh, our co-mission. You know, it's kind of a play on words because Jesus' great commission to go out to all the world. Well, this is our shared mission. It's our co-mission. And I want us to read it together because it's put in a real little succinct way. Our co-mission is to pursue ever-deepening devotion and spread authentic, joy-filled passion for God by modeling Jesus in a relevant fashion in Skagit Valley and beyond. I just, I just love that statement. That's kind of, that's our anchor statement. That's, that's why we're here. That's what we're striving for. We chose words like pursue, ever-deepening devotion. It, it, to reflect the fact of, of the way we look at it here, that devotion isn't a destination. You don't 
arrive. I'm holy now. It's a day-to-day -day cultivation, right? With the bump, bump, bump. And we're all in it together. And we're helping each other. That's who we are here. And as we uh, nurture a healthy, intimate relationship with our Father, our Lord, our Savior, through His Word and His people, each other, our attitudes and actions will increasingly reflect the fruit of His Spirit. And Paul gives us our mission when he writes about the fruit. Let's just read it together. It's a good, it's a good little verse. We hear it a lot, but not enough. Let's read it together. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah, that's it. That's our mission. Paul labeled these as, these are proofs, you know, fruit, evidence, proof of God's presence and power. And he called them fruit because they grow naturally in the hearts of those who, who dig their deeps, I'm going off the parable of the sower now, who dig their deeps down into God's love and grace and find nourishment in the soil of his word. And that's us. That's who we are. A short phrase that thoroughly defines who we are by what we strive for is that part that says authentic, joy-filled passion. I just love that. that is, that's the easiest way to sum up what we're striving for here, authentic, joy-filled passion. See, the true body of Christ, and I don't know, you tell me which churches are true and which ones aren't. I don't know. I'm only responsible for this one. And so we want to be part of the true body. The true body of Christ rejects an artificial heart. You just can't hold it, can't handle it. In fact, few things, and I think, I think you'll agree, few things are more repelling than plastic personalities. You know, we detect that so, so quickly, it's like, ugh, very plastic. Few things are more attractive than people who are truly humble and transparent and honest about who they, we really are. All the while, we're being transformed together. Bump, bump, bump. That's who we are here. Therefore, writes Paul, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, and I think we got that in, in, in a boatload here, uh, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And then the flip side, he says, so do nothing out of selfish ambition okay, or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others. There's the, you know, not in self-loathing. There's a right way to, to value others. There's a wrong way to value others above yourself. Not in self-loathing, but in true humility. Value others above yourselves. You know, uh, not looking to your own interests, but each, each of you and me to the interests of the others. I think that, 
I think that is who we are. I see that all around us and in all of you. And did you notice that joy is in the top two on Paul's list of spiritual proofs, only after love. It's like love, joy, right? Uh, a lot of you probably know that the word gospel means, literally means good news. And we just know this from life, from the secular world. People with good news share it. They got good news. They just share it joyfully, with enthusiasm, without effort. And if a believer isn't sharing the gospel, the good news that way, then it hasn't reached their heart as good news yet. Right? But that's why, when you see it as good news, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's just excited to share it. And therefore, that is why strength and gladness are in his place. I think that might be my favorite scripture. <laughs> and if we, you, if we are going to spread authentic, not plastic, joy-filled passion, then our approach just absolutely cannot be unnatural or contrived. It must be anchored in authenticity and flowing with genuine joy. You know, I'm just a... I can't go into a side sermon, but, you know, sharing Christ, yeah, oh, here you go, no, just sharing Christ has to come from within because you really truly love and desire the end. The Bible wasn't written, oh man, I could do a side sermon. The Bible was not written simply to be memorized and quoted. It was written to be modeled. And not on the surface, you know, like a fashion model, but put into action, lived out in the real world as a role model. And Jesus, in this analogy, is obviously the supermodel, the true, true supermodel of intimacy with God and obedience to God and love for all God's children, both lost and found. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. That's what we should be looking like. Imitate him as a child imitates the parent for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Every last one of us, through faith, as many of you, and he clarifies, well, as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ, but not as a shallow fashion model. Because being imitators does not mean being imitations. So think of a young boy imitating his dad. Right? Yeah. Uh, good word, Paul. It means being real. It means becoming the real thing. Which means so much more than merely looking the part. Our mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be transformed, right? By the renewing of our mind, inside and out, into what Jesus would be if he for instance, were me or you as a spouse, as a parent, as a child, student, clerk, a computer analyst, a carpenter, 
I guess we know what he'd be like as a carpenter. He was one. And, uh, and the success of this or the failure of this, uh, of, of our mental transforming and our spiritual training and our role modeling is measured. It's measurable and can only be measured by how sincerely and completely we, both individually and together as a body, see with his eyes, love with his heart, speak with his grace, and help with his hands. I want to look like dad. And that's who we are. That's who we are. Or at least who we're striving together to become. And although we're not fashion models, we are striving to be role models in a relevant fashion. Because we're called to build bridges, not barriers. Uh, I, I, sometimes we, we lose sight of this. We're called to build bridges, not barriers. And so here at his place, we make every, it's an ongoing effort to keep current with the culture without compromising truth. It's like in Jesus' example of uh, trying to pour new wine into the old wineskin, it just blows everything up. And so because this is who we are and we believe this, when a particular old religious style uh, has lost its ability to convey the substance of Christ, throw it out. It's got to be replaced with an approach that better crosses over to a new generation. Jesus didn't hide in the temple, right? No, no, no. He entered a corrupted, very corrupted culture and embraced the fallen people. He was a missionary in his own backyard, as were the first ambassadors that he commissioned. Because as Jesus read, he read the scripture that says, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That includes us. All nations beginning from Jerusalem. That was their backyard. For as he had said to them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And it's like, then in all Judea, because that's where Jerusalem was. And then Samaria, because that was the nation next door. And then to the end of the earth. And that is our backyard. You see, for Christ's ambassadors, isolating from the world is just as misguided as imitating it. It's like the two extremes on the scale of what not to do when you're an ambassador of Christ. Because we're called to embrace the people placed around us. That's who we are. We're, we're missionaries. We tend to think, you know, everybody does, tend to think that the mission field is anywhere outside my own zip code. Now, if you ask somewhere there, I don't know where, but it ain't 98233. <laughs> right? That's actually the exception to the rule, foreign missionaries. That's the exception to the rule in the body of Christ. Our mission begins in Skagit Valley. And then it goes out from there. Some of you are, are, are coming here from what would be the equivalent of Samaria or all of Judea coming in. 
And as any good foreign missionary will tell you, the best, the absolute best missionary is always one of the natives. That's us. That's us. That's who we are. Backyard missionaries. Open your eyes and look at the fields Jesus urged and encouraged his short-sighted disciples. They are ripe for harvest. And they are. Now, so now we need to uh, urge and encourage each other to recognize our huge potential on this little corner of God's kingdom, which just happens to literally be my old backyard. As most of you know, this was, this was Pop's old wrecking yard, right? This Pop's tearing down the old wrecking yard years ago. He's standing right about where you're sitting. That's where I grew up, the old wrecking yard. I grew up in the youth house, and the pool that we use for baptisms, which is now our backyard as a church family, was built back in the 70s in my backyard. And I would love to show you some proof, so roll them. I did that whole thing just because Jess was in it. Everybody say, morning, Jess. Morning, Jess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a crush on my sister. <laughs> but not anymore. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I first met Pastor Nick. I was just a kid. I first met Pastor Nick in my backyard back in the 70s. There's 1970s, look at those <laughs> chops. That's Pastor Nick back in the, well he was no pastor back in the 70s, that was Nick in the 70s. But here's the thing about Pastor Nick. This picture is 46 years old. I don't think he's, I told him, I said, I don't think you age. And he says, no, nope, I aged all at once. <laughs> Oh, he and Pops were buddies back in their B.C. days, which they loved to call them before Christ, back in their B.C. And now, here's the thing, why I'm showing you this. Now, Nick is a literal missionary in my literal backyard. And you just got to understand from my perspective, our perspective, that's crazy. I know you come into what you think is a church, and I'm a, like a pastor. Not from my perspective. <laughs> this was the wrecking yard, and I used to wash parts in the solvent tank against the mother's room. This is my back. It's just what God has done is unbelievable. But that's what God can do. And that's what God desires to do in some way in everyone's backyard. Especially you, because that's just who we are. And because your mission field is anywhere where genuine relationships grow, thus providing a natural opportunity to share your life and love and faith. So open your eyes, you know, to quote Jesus. You 
talking to you. You are in the center of a mission field preordained for you and no one else. You just got to make God's mission your ambition. So make it your ambition, writes Paul. <laughs> so make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, not a big loud life, a quiet life. They're talking about, I mean, you can be a loud personality, but when it comes to sharing, lead a quiet life to mind your own business. I just love this. You don't hear this one preached much when it comes to evangelism. So that your daily, the people that just have to live with you every day, right? So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. And then Paul, uh, Peter chimes in, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Just make the most of every opportunity. Scripture places such an incredible significance on our normal, ordinary. But do you, do you, some are called to go. But if you were not called to go, then you were called to stay and remain faithful and relate to those entrusted to you. Right here in your own backyard, unless you happen to be the exception to the rule. And we, as a church, have an exception by the name of Nick, which also happens to be his nickname. Anybody know his real name? Do you know that Nick's not his name? No, no, get it, Nick's name. I did. <laughs> I kind of made it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you know Nick's real name? Anybody know Nick's real name? Elisha. His name is Elisha. Yeah, check his driver's license. Nick is literally his nickname. Which means, because he's our exception to the rule, it means whether you know it or not, our backyard is much bigger than one might think. Watch this. Hi, church family. Pastor Nick here, and I just wanted to send you this short video to let you know how things are going in the Philippines at your ministry in Kalu, which is on the island of Luzon in the province of Benguet. A lot of you know and support our ministry there, but there are probably some of you who are new to the church that aren't familiar with what his place has been doing there over the last 28 years. So, I'll give you a fairly brief history now of how it started and what's been going on since 1993. In January 1993, I had heard of a lady named Andessa Bautista, who was attempting to build a church and start a ministry to reach an unreached people group consisting of about 185,000 people called the Ibaloi. In the history of the Philippines, 
prior to 1993, there had been many religious groups who attempted to bring the Word of God to the Ibaloi with absolutely no success. Most of the Ibaloi villages were scattered over the mountains in northern Luzon and were filled with witch doctors who offered animal sacrifices to their gods. I'd heard about Andessa through a ministry training organization called YWAM, or Youth with a Mission, that Judy and I had graduated from in 1992, and heard that Andessa had just graduated from a Bible college in Baguio City in the Philippines, and being that she was part Ibaloy, the Bible college was hopeful that she would be better received by the Ibaloi people than the Western missionaries in past years. Being I was the newly hired missions pastor at his place, I gave all this information to our church council, and after much prayer, the council decided to send Judy and I to the Philippines to try and find this Andessa who had been sent to an Ibaloi village called Kalu to attempt to build the first Christian church. So, being Judy and I were part crazy and adventurous, we hopped on a plane to the Philippines without any stinking idea where we were going to find this Andessa and help her build this first church in an Ibaloi village to try to bring the good news of Christ to this unreached people group. And with God's leading, we landed in Manila, and after we took a rickety old bus up to Baguio City, then took a jeepney back into the mountains till the road ended, hiked five miles across suspension bridges and through rice terraces, we finally found this Andessa. And even though there was much persecution, the first church to reach the Iboloi was started. When we got there, Andessa already had a small group of Iboloi men as new believers. So Judy and I worked alongside these very talented craftsmen. We hiked up into the mountains to cut down pine trees to make the lumber we needed and then made our own concrete blocks with cement we packed in from Baguio City and sand out of the local riverbed. And after a few months, the first church to ever be built for the Ibaloi people was finished. So what's been going on over the last 28 years? Well, His Place Church, which happens to be the only organization attempting to reach this unreached people group, has been involved in building over a dozen churches scattered throughout the mountains of northern Luzon, some as high as 7,000 feet. And we have taken numerous groups from our church to take part in the construction and dedication of some of these churches. We have also built a Bible college, a Christian school, K through 12, called Blessed His Place Academy, six daycare facilities, and an orphanage called His Place Children's Home, which at any given time can have over 50 abandoned children and growing. Now, some of these different ministries are self-supporting. 
like the different churches that are supported by their own congregations and the Bible college that is supported by the students that pay a small tuition for attending. But the Christian school, His Place Academy, and the orphanage, His Place Children's Home, would not exist without our church support. The very fact that our name is on the outside of these structures indicate that we support and own what is going on inside of them. As you can imagine, the budget for these two ministries, like the school supplies, maintenance of the buildings, the uniforms for the teachers and students, the food, clothing, and medical needs of the children in the orphanage, the maintenance equipment needed to farm the 50-plus rice terraces that the ministry owns to feed the children, well, that budget increases a little each year. The monthly giving that many of you have done faithfully for many years is running about $1,000 a month short of their needed budget. So that amount had been offset by the extra giving that some of you do during the year. So once a year, we do a fundraiser to hopefully acquire new monthly givers, to have some of you that are monthly givers to maybe increase your monthly giving by a few dollars, or to have some of you to consider giving a once a year gift to help with our monthly budget. So starting this Sunday, and for the next two following Sundays, there will be a table in the back of the sanctuary where you can support the work your church has been doing for the past 28 years to reach the Ibaloi people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Also, as an encouragement to your giving, there are some people in our church that have pledged a matching funds to the giving you do so that every dollar you give, you will actually be giving to. You can also give a monthly or yearly donation online. Just go to hisplacegiving.com and right where it says fund, be sure to click on Missions Philippines. Thank you for taking the time to watch this video and to prayerfully consider supporting your church in Christ's mandate that he gave in Matthew 28, 19 to go into all the world. Thank you. You talk about somebody that hadn't aged in 46 years. Wow. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, uh, we love you and worship you both inside and outside these walls. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to our own backyard and inspire us to proclaim your name with authentic, joy-filled passion. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you as we make your mission 
our ambition. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.